Join me, if you would, in our responsive reading titled, Humility. Humility is a strange quality. Unlike joy, love, kindness, or any of those typically sweet qualities Christians are supposed to value, humility is hard. Humility is more about looking for God and being aware of just how holy God is. It is about bearing in mind, regardless of our earthly success, just how almighty God is and holding in that awareness a sense of our own smallness, unholiness, and frailty. We humble ourselves before you. And before our brothers and sisters, O God, we praise your holiness. We acknowledge your greatness. We put our own interests aside and in humility regard others as better than ourselves. Help us, O God, to let your mind be our mind and our words and deeds be yours. Amen.
Please be seated. Good morning. Welcome. We're glad you're here this morning. Um, we welcome everyone in the name of the Lord as we've gathered to worship our Lord and to raise his name on high. We welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us, and we're glad that you're here and hope you'll feel very much a part of our family. And we'd like to ask, if you would, to drop by our hospitality table after the worship service. Uh, we have a little gift that we would like to share with you uh, this, this morning. A few announcements I'd like to uh, call to your attention. First of all, our attendance sheets. I'd like to ask everyone if you would take that and to pass it down. Fill it out as completely as uh, you feel comfortable feel it, uh, filling it out. And especially if you'd like to um, receive our email newsletter, Put your email address on there so we can uh, put you on that list. And one more thing as you do that, if you would, for this week especially, uh, be sure to list your, name, the, your children's names on there and their ages or what grade they are going into. We're going to be having a special promotion Sunday. Next Sunday, isn't that right, Mary? Next Sunday. Uh, we're going to have a special promotion Sunday for our children as they um, are... Uh, moving a, moving up in their grade in school. And so if you would, please put their name and the grade that they will be going into uh, so that we can honor them uh, appropriately next Sunday. Also, uh, this Wednesday is a very special Wednesday because our fellowship suppers are resuming. <laughs> we'll be having our fellowship supper again this Wednesday, uh, beginning at 5.45, and, um, and that will be followed by our Bible study on James. We've been studying the book of James, and we'll start chapter 3 next week, or this, this Wednesday. Uh, also, we'd like to ask if you would, if you're planning on being here Wednesday, give the, the uh, church office a call to let us know so we can make sure we have enough food and we don't order too much food. If you could uh, please just let us know. We don't have our reservations in place at this point. So please uh, uh, give the, the church office a call to let us know that you'll be here. Next Sunday is, another, is a special day as well. It's one that we've been waiting for, and that's our summer fest. We've been working hard, about, uh, hard on this, and I think it's going to be a great day, folks. It's going to be a great day. That's going to be from 2 to 4 o'clock on Sunday. We're going to be having an ice cream parlor set up, and so we'd like to ask some of you to uh, uh, make some homemade ice cream if you can or purchase some ice cream at the stores. We're going to have a magician who's going to perform. We're going to have music. We're going to have activities. We're going to have information about our church set up. So it's going to be a great day, and I hope that you are planning on being here. And it's also a great day to, to show off our church to people who might uh, might not know about us. So please make your plans on being here Sunday, but also invite your friends to come. Go by and pick them up and bring them with you if you would. And uh, this is a great outreach tool for them as well. Now, I believe uh, Phyllis has, there she is, Phyllis has uh, uh, an announcement about our Bible study um, group summer mission program. I want you to look down there. You see all that food that's accumulating down there? Isn't that great? All of that's going to be going towards the uh, uh, outreach, the Christian outreach, and that's a great job, folks. Thanks for all you're doing here. And now Phyllis is going to tell you about what we're to bring next week. Thank you. T also, I want to thank you for all the contributions you've made. And, uh, you know, this week was the loaves and fishes, and so I see we have lots of crackers and uh, tuna and different kinds of fish. If you forgot yours, just know you can bring it in at any time. The table's there. Now, next week, our biblically inspired donation comes from Genesis 2534. And that's the scriptures that talked about Jacob and Esau. And it had to do with uh, the bartering of the birthright. And the verse we're focusing on, it said, Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. So next Sunday, the food we're collecting is all kinds of lentils or beans. So whatever kind of bean you want to bring, uh, just bring it and put it over there on the table, and then uh, uh, we'll see our food things grow. Uh, we only have, after next Sunday, two more Sundays. So uh, I I've just been really happy about 
how well you've responded to, to bringing in the donations. I know it's tough times for everybody with the economy, and I so appreciate uh, you opening your hearts and giving when I know all of us are feeling the pinch. But um, I know you will be blessed by this. Thank you. Good morning. I am very excited because choir starts back up on Wednesday. Yay! I have missed my choir so much this summer. I am so excited to see them back, and I hope I see some new faces as well. We rehearse Wednesday nights at 7.20, between 7.20 7.30 when the Bible study is over, so come for some, some food, some Bible study, and then the choir rehearsal. And also on Saturday, August 13th, we will be having a choir day where we will play some games, do some singing, have some lunch. That will start at 9.30, so please feel free to come and sing then too. We have some exciting things this so I call it a semester, and in December, we will be hosting a sing-along Messiah. So the choir will be learning the Messiah, which will be fun. Please come along and sing. Now, if you will stand and greet each other, and while you do so, the kids could make their way forward for Children's Moment. like to ask our children to come forward for Children's Moment. Mr. Nibby is up here for our Children's Moment, and if you'd like to come forward, come on up. You come and sit with me this morning? Come on, children. A good little group here this morning. Uh, the question I'm going to ask of you, have you ever heard this in your house mentioned this week? Where is my swimsuit? Where are my swim goggles? Where is my video games? Have you ever heard that? And what have you missed this, Jerry? What have you placed? You're, you're, you found it today? What does the adult in your house usually say whenever you say, Where is my Nintendo DS? What does the adult usually say back to you? Oh, they're blaming somebody else. But usually I think the, the majority of the adults ask, where did you have it last? Right? Where did you have it last? Well, you know, this is a big week. And many of you all are starting to school this week on Thursday, and it might be a little scary time to be with new kids or have new teachers and stuff, and you might want to say, where is God? And then you ask the question, well, where did I have God last? And you know, that's really a question we really don't have to ask because God and Jesus are with us all the time. They're never going, he's never going to leave us. So whenever we get nervous and scared about school starting this week, and we say, where is God? Guess what? He's there, right there. And that's the simple message that I have for you today. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for being always with us all the time. Holy name we pray. Amen.
Um, our Bible scripture today is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this church and these people. Lord, please teach us to be humble before you. Help us to remember how almighty you are. And Lord, please be with the staff and students in Henderson as we start back to school this week. And be with Dr. Tim as he preaches this sermon. In your heavenly name, amen. pray with me. Our dear and gracious Heavenly Father, we humbly come before you. We ask that you bless everything we do, everything we see, everything in this church. And if we feel that we aren't humble enough, Father, 
then we don't know the definition of the word humble. So we humbly give of our tithes to further your kingdom, to help your people. Amen.
if you would like, turn to page 193 in your hymnal and you can follow the, the words to this song. I like this song because it's an old hymn that many of you heard in your younger days. I know I did. And I hear a lot from the kids today that I don't know any of those songs we do at church. You know, they just, I've never heard it. I don't know how it goes, but they hear this song on the radio and, and they know it and it has a connection uh, with their parents and their grandparents too. It's an old hymn, so I hope you enjoy it. And the words are basically a good theology lesson. It, it covers just about everything. One day when heaven was filled with his praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among men, my example is he. Word became flesh and the light shined among us, his glory revealed. Living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away. Rising he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, a glorious day, oh glorious day. One day they led him up Calvary's mountain. One day they nailed him to die on a tree. Suffering anguish, despised and rejected. Bearing our sins, my Redeemer is He. Hands that heal nations, stretched out on a tree took the nails for me living he loved me dying he saved me buried he carried my sins far away rising he justified freely forever one day he's coming a glorious day oh glorious day One day the grave could conceal him no longer. One day the stone rolled away from the door. Then he arose over death he had conquered. Now he's ascended, my Lord, evermore. Death could not hold him. The grave could not keep him from rising again. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day, he's coming, a glorious day. Oh, glorious day, glorious day. One day the trumpet will sound for His coming. One day the skies with His glories will shine. Wonderful day, my beloved. My Savior Jesus is mine, living He loved me, dying He saved me, buried He carried my sins far away, rising He justified freely forever, one day He's coming, oh glory. 
thanks to him, what a glorious song that is. And we all look forward to that glorious day. A woman named Naomi Magdance in Lodi, California, tells about her six-year-old grandson named Joshua. It seems that Joshua had attended a vacation Bible school where the theme was, What Would Jesus Do?, And to remind the children of the theme, they made little wristbands with the WWJD logo on them. Well, one evening, Joshua's mother asked him to change his clothes, and Joshua looked at his wristband and said, WWJD, what would Jesus do? So his mother answered that she thought Jesus would do what his mother asked him to do and change his clothes. Well, Joshua thought about that a moment and said, well, I don't know about that. It seems to me like Jesus is wearing the same clothes in every picture I've seen of him. (laughs) Well, maybe so. And truth be told, there is a lot about Jesus that we don't know. But of course, children are always going to see something in a story that you and I don't see. On Saturdays, the custom at the Erickson household is to clean out the leftovers from the refrigerator. Well, one Saturday, Mrs. Erickson gave the one remaining portion of tortellini to their six-year-old son, Jeremy. But it seems that their eight-year-old son, Matthew, also wanted some tortellini, and so naturally an argument ensued. So after several unsuccessful attempts to mediate their dispute, their father, Ken, decided on a theological approach. Hoping to convince Jeremy to share his portion with Matthew, he said, Jeremy, what would Jesus do in a situation like this? And Jeremy replied, oh, you know, Dad, he would just make some more. And maybe Jeremy's right. Theologians warn us against trying to speculate too glibly about what Jesus would do in any particular situation. In fact, after studying Jesus' parables, one scholar said that the only reliable answer to the question, what would Jesus do, can be summed up in two words, something unexpected. And that's probably true as well. And yet the question is still a very important question. In fact, the Apostle Paul, writing in his letter to the Philippians, almost requires us to ask the WWJD question, what would Jesus do? He writes, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from From his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to each of you, to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mind that was in Christ Jesus. In other words, think and act like Jesus. Have the same mind that was in Christ Jesus. There it is, folks. It is a challenge to our very being. We are to do as Christ would do. We are to think as Christ would think. Now, what would Jesus do? Well, Paul gives us some definite clues about this. You see, he begins with Christ's humility. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, he writes. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. 
Now, obviously, Paul didn't take any self-esteem classes. Value yourselves above, value, value others above yourselves. I mean, think about it. That flies in the face of everything our society teaches us, doesn't it? What was it that Whitney Houston sang just a few years ago? I found the greatest love of all inside of me. The greatest love of all is easy to achieve. Learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all. And even in church, we say, well, you have to learn to love yourself before you can love others. Doesn't Paul understand that? Well, of course he does. But he also understands that human beings are by nature self-centered creatures. And for the most part, with a few exceptions, nobody really has to tell us to love ourselves. Generally, that comes pretty naturally. Now, of course, there are those who need to learn how to stand up for themselves. Some people allow themselves to be subjected to all kinds of abuse and they don't do anything about it. But do not confuse that with humility. Bill Farmer tells about J. Upton Dixon, who announced that he was writing a book about people who let others run over them. The book is titled Cower Power. He's also forming a group for those insecure people, which he calls the doormats. It's an acronym. It stands for Dependent order of really meek and timid souls. (laughs) Their motto is, the meek shall inherit the earth, if that's okay with you. (laughs) Our friends, humility is not the same thing as cowardice. In fact, some of the most courageous people who have ever lived have been motivated by their concerns for others. They were humble, but they were not doormats. And reason has to be applied to this teaching teaching as, as it does to every passage of Scripture. In the book, God's Little Lessons for Leaders, there's a story about a man who is driving down a country road and he comes to a, a narrow bridge. And in front of this bridge, there was a sign that read, Yield. Well, seeing no cars coming from the other side, the man continues across the bridge and and on to his destination. Well, on the way back home, the man came to the same bridge from the opposite direction. And to his surprise, he saw another sign that said yield. He thought, well, I'm sure that there was a sign posted on the other side of the bridge. And sure enough, when he reached the other side, he He looked back over his shoulder and he saw the yield sign on that side as well. It seems that the yield signs had been placed on both sides of the bridge so that the drivers from both directions would have to give right away to the other. Now, that appears to be a reasonable way to prevent a head-on collision in the middle of this narrow bridge. But what it really is is a recipe for paralysis. I mean, suppose two cars approach the bridge at the same time. If they both technically obeyed the law, then neither one of them would move forward and there would be a perpetual stalemate. But folks, we need to apply some reason here. And we also need to recognize the danger of if both cars try to cross the bridge at the same time. Somebody has to give. It's like the story that Max Lucado tells about the church reformer Ulrich Zwingli. Zwingli promoted unity during the time of the Protestant Reformation. At one, and at one point, he found himself at odds with, Mar- with Martin Luther. He didn't know what to do. But he found his answer one morning on the side of a Swiss mountain. He was watching two goats following a narrow path from opposite directions. One was going up the mountain and the other one was coming down the mountain. And they met at a place where the trail was so narrow that it prevented them from passing one another. And when they saw each other, they they backed up and, and lowered their heads as though they were about to lunge. But then a wonderful thing happened. 
the goat that was going up lay down on the path and the other goat stepped over him. The first animal then got up and continued his climb up to the top of the mountain. Zwingli observed that the goat made it higher because he was willing to bend lower. And the goat who laid down humbled himself in order that a higher good may be achieved. And that's what Paul saw when he looked at Jesus. The first thing that he saw was humility. Do you understand how important humility is to anyone who would do something of lasting value? Christian thinkers have always rated pride as the original and the most serious of the seven deadly sins. And the reason why is because pride leads not only to the swelling of of one's own ego, but also to the loathing of others. Annette Simmons, in her book called The Story Factor, has a, a wonderful story about a young man, a young executive named Skip. Uh, Skip has just been appointed as the new CEO of a particular company, and she writes that Skip looked out into the sea of, a sus- of suspicious stockholders and wondered what might convince them to follow his leadership. He was 35, only 35 years old, and he looked about 13. He was third generation rich. And he could tell this as he looked onto these stockholders that they assumed that he would be a unholy disaster as a leader. And so he decided to tell them a story. He said, my first job was drawing the electrical engineering plans for a boat building company. The drawings had to be perfect because if the wires were not accurately placed before the fiberglass form was poured, then a mistake could cost a million dollars. At the age of 25, I had already received two master's degrees, he said. I had been on boats all of my life. I found drawing these plans a bit mindless. But one morning I got a phone call in the middle of the night at home from a $6 an hour worker asking me, are you sure this is right? And I was incensed. Of course I was sure. Just pour the blankety blank form. And then when his supervisor called me an hour later and woke me up again, he asked, are you sure this is right? And I had even less patience. I said I was sure an hour ago ago, and I'm still sure now. And then he went on and he said it was a call. It was the call from the president of the company that finally got me out of bed and down to the site. And so I found the worker who had called me first. And he was sitting there looking at my plans with his head kind of cocked to one side. And so I took the plans from him and with exaggerated impatience, I began to explain the drawing to him. But then after a few words, my voice got weaker, and my head starts to cock to the side a little as well. It seems that since I'm left-handed, I had transposed starboard and port. And so the drawing was an exact mirror image of what it should have been. Thank God this $6 an hour worker had caught my, my, my mistake before it was too late. He said, the next day I found this box on my desk. The crew had bought me a remedial pair of tennis shoes for future reference, just in case I got mixed up again. There was a red left shoe for port and a green right shoe for starboard. And then he said, these shoes don't just help me remember port and starboard. They also help me to remember to listen. Even when I think I know what's going on. As he held up the red and green tennis shoes, there were smiles and and smirks and, and the stockholders relaxed a little bit. 
And they thought to themselves, if this young upstart has already learned this lesson about arrogance, then maybe he's learned a thing or two about running a company as well. So you see, humility is an essential characteristic of leadership. Now imagine the power of humility in God's Son. It surely took Paul's breath away to realize that the Messiah, the very Son of the Most High God, had humbled Himself all for us. He writes about it in the rest of this passage. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have this same mindset that was in Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God as some, something to be grasped, to hang on to. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. And being found in appearance of, as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. What a wonderful passage. The Son of God humbled himself for us. So what would Jesus do? Well, to answer that question, you must begin with humility. And if you want to live your life as Jesus lived, then you must be willing to look beyond your own needs to the needs of others. Jack Kelly, a reporter for USA Today, once told the story of a the terrible famine in, in Somalia. In a village that was decimated by starvation, a, a photographer noticed a little boy suffering from malnutrition. And when the photographer handed the little boy a grapefruit, the boy was so weak that he couldn't even handle it. And so a member of the crew cut it in half and gave it back to him. And, and he picked it up. And he, he looked as if to say thanks. And then he turned and walked back towards the village. There on the ground was another little boy, the first boy's younger brother. He appeared to be dead. His eyes were completely glazed over. But the older brother knelt down beside his younger brother. He bit off a piece of this grapefruit and chewed it for a moment. And then he opened up his younger brother's mouth and put the chewed bit of grapefruit into his mouth and worked his jaw up and down. Later, the news crews learned that the older brother had done that same routine for about two weeks until he himself finally died of malnutrition. But the younger brother survived. Friends, wouldn't you love to have a brother like that? Well, let me tell you something. You do. You do. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he has told us that we are to have that same kind of mindset that he has. Leonard Sweet talks about the four rules that we live by. The iron rule says do to others before they do to you. The silver rule says do to others as they do to you. The golden rule says do to others as you would want them to do to you. And the titanium rule says, do to others as Jesus has done for you. Now there's the rule that we need to strive for. This does not mean that you need to live your life as a doormat. Not at all. 
It simply means that you value the welfare of others at least as much as you value your own. And I believe that that is what it means to have the mind of Christ who made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being found in appearance as a man He humbled himself by becoming obedient unto death, even death on a cross. What would Jesus do? He would do what was good for everyone concerned. Not just himself. Now let us go and do likewise. Amen. We're going to sing 177, number 177. There's something about that name. And as we do that, we invite you to make a commitment to Christ and to share that with us. We'd like to, if you've never made a commitment to Christ, this is a good time to do it. Any time is a good time to do it, but there's no reason to wait. Because this This son of God humbled himself and he became a human being, became a servant. And he was obedient enough that he even would die on the cross for you and for me so that our sins may be forgiven. And so that we may take up where he left off and live the life that he called us to live and to spread the kingdom of God all throughout the world. If you've never made a commitment to Christ, I hope you'll do that today. Maybe you're looking for a church to be a part of. We invite you to come and unite with our church. Or or maybe you need a time of prayer. We invite you to come and to pray. God's dealing in your heart in any way. You're invited to come and share it with us. So we can celebrate the work of God's Holy Spirit in your life. Would you come as we sing? There's something about that name.
as we go from here, let us go as God's own family, children beloved by God. And let us live in the likeness of God's son, Jesus Christ, having one mind, Christ's mind, having one spirit, Christ's spirit, putting aside our own selfish desires and pride, putting others ahead of ourselves in humility as Christ has taught us to do. Let us go with the name of Christ in our hearts and on our lips so that one day every every knee will indeed bow and every tongue will indeed confess that Jesus Christ is truly our Lord. Let us go in the power of God's spirit and let us go in the peace of God. Amen.